Striking while the iron's hot to be your authoritative voice for New Mexico soccer. Welcome to We Are Seek and Strike podcast. Sponsored by Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Brought to you by Beautiful Game Network. Find us on the web at seekandstrikecollective.com. back the long-awaited return has finally come for us here at seek and strike collective this is we are seek and strike podcast the weekly edition the podcast for supporters by supporters bringing you the latest end-to-end coverage on new mexico united i'm your host chris walker and joining me is my co-host veronica zavala hey veronica how you doing hey chris i'm actually doing pretty good how are you doing I'm doing pretty good. Uh, you know, at the time we're recording this, this is, uh, I believe, the very early morning of uh, Wednesday to be. So um, considering that, doing great. That's great. It's actually not quite morning for me, but I'm right behind. That's right. You're out there in the West Coast um, doing, doing, doing this. So you're like an hour behind. You're still trying to get there. I'm still trying to get there. Exactly. Um Reporting live from uh, South Cali over here. Right, exactly. Um, so, you know, God, we haven't done this in a long time. It's been a while. And, um, you know, so I'm definitely happy to be back doing it. I know you and I talked offline about it, about getting this going on again. And uh, we were both just in agreement that we needed to, you know, kind of take all the notes that we have taken as we've been watching and attending these games and just uh, get back on, on the pod and, uh, you know, put some content out there for the folks that probably have this podcast saved in their, their show listings, right? Exactly. Yeah. I'm definitely excited to be back and, you know, talking about one of our favorite um, USL teams. Yeah. So, I mean, um, I guess before we really jump in, uh, what things have you been doing uh, during this soccer season, I mean, besides obviously watching New Mexico United, like what other things have you been getting into? Well, I mean, pretty much just work. Got a got a nice little promotion not too long ago. Um, so training for, for a new set of uh, skills there. And um, just, uh, you know, learning more about how to put perfect pods together and stuff, you know? Yeah, that's right. I mean, for the longest time, you were just editing these pods for us, and now you're on it. So that's pretty rad. Um, yeah, Good I got about, a pro- right? <laughs> right, exactly. Um, yeah, no, I got I got a promotion, too. That was cool. Um, so it's definitely been more work that way, but also launched, well, or, you know, as I had launched Black Diamond Supporters Group uh, back last year, and so this year really had been just primarily focused on getting that off the ground and um god there's just so much going on with the group um from new memberships to designing um merchandise um to having events tailgates going to the matches talking about our end goals things we want to see accomplish within the group so 
it's been real busy on that front. And, you know, at the same time, you know, I've still been wanting to watch the game very intuitively and really kind of bring um, us back to this point of doing content. And I'm really glad we're back. So let's get into some USL news. Uh, recently, Orange County had come under scrutiny of LA Galaxy, of uh, the MLS, uh, trying to essentially move in on their territory, right? Trying to claim uh, their stadium. Pretty so much take over their stadium. Yeah. And um, this obviously uh, came at probably like the craziest time because uh, no one saw it coming for one. And then two, you know, the thought was, wait, is this going to be another situation like the LA Clippers and the Lakers, like sharing facilities? But of course not, because when we looked at the proposal that was out there, uh, clearly there was no other pro team going to be in the stadium besides just LA Galaxy 2. This obviously... um, really rubbed a lot of USL supporters outside of even uh, Orange County supporters wrong uh, that this thing would even happen. Um, and certainly LA Galaxy was getting dragged on Twitter for quite the, quite the while. Right. Uh, they had the, the city hall meeting, right? They had a meeting Correct. At, the, mm-hmm. at the city of Irvine to uh, essentially go and express uh, their, their, their passion for the team and why this sort of transaction shouldn't happen. And I mean, from the pictures that we saw, like it looked like they turned out almost like their whole supporter section. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it was, it was a rather like shocking happening because um, first of all, I mean, OC just won the championship last year. So you would, you would think that that would win you some placement with your city where they would want to, maintain because now they've won a championship and then to get blindsided by oh galaxy we're considering this uh proposal by an la team to use our facilities uh kind of came down to like a kind of like a greedy move by the city of irvine no i was just gonna say i just think like is this because lafc just had such a uh take hold of of los angeles that galaxy was like well we're going to need to, you know, start to kind of use this other stadium because it wasn't even like they were taking their first team to the championship stadium in or in Irvine. They were just getting a good home for their development team. And I think the thing that this reminds me of the most is LA Kings, you know, as we're going to talk hockey for a minute, LA Kings sitting obviously in Los Angeles and, Ontario rain being, you know, essentially in a different, uh, Out in lo- the IE. Mm-hmm. right. Being in a different mm-hmm. locale. And, and, you know, obviously there's a little distance between them. They both got stellar facilities and it can really help develop their team. I mean, currently, uh, Los Dos, as we knew two seasons ago, they were typically playing their games over at Dignity Health Sports Park 2, when it was like right. next door to, the main stadium, there's nothing really to fully enjoy it. It was really much like a mm, college stadium, right? Like just a, a bleacher on one side 
or a stand, uh, sorry, the grandstand bleachers on one side of the pitch, and that was it. And uh, right, I, I recall it looked more like a high school, <clears throat> you know, like a high school setup, um, not been very grandiose for you know a team. Yeah, and that's and that that's not us really bashing on on them at all. It's just realizing Correct. like that you know this was obviously a move from LA Galaxy to really try to um, set up their developmental team, um, considering that they were getting ready to move it out of the USL and into MS MLS next. Um, I think they were really trying to kind of set that up pre, but. I think just the amount of support that came from the supporters and really from um, the USL supporters online, I think that along with, I think what they said, a strongly worded uh, document um, from uh, Orange County. Uh, I'm sure all uh, uh, Jake Edwards had a little help in there and um, LA galaxy kind of, you know, pulled back from it, you know, and, they said, hey, you know, this maybe this isn't the thing right now that, you know, you, I think everyone still wants to know is, is this going to be coming back around? Is this going to be done, you know, in a different way? Are they going to be trying to now just try to still share it? Or are they just going to just say, hey, you know what, maybe we don't want to go to Irvine. Maybe we just need to, you know, explore other options. So I think that is something that's still developing. Um, I know for me, you know, as a United supporter, I just could not imagine, you know, if we had a stadium and then all of a sudden, um, you know, I guess luckily for us, we don't, we wouldn't really have to worry about another rivaling team uh, coming in. But if we were definitely like Texas, I guess that's a probably a more candid example, you know, you could probably see that, you know, if, if a team in, San Antonio was like, oh, we're, we need to move to El Paso for whatever reason. Like, mm -hmm. I guess that would be a little crazy. It's like, hey, you don't need to move over here. So, um, yeah, so that that just was kind of a bit of, of news. The other thing that's more current, which everyone's kind of buzzing on now on Twitter, uh, whether or not you are a Twitter um, user yourself, is the uh, latest thing between Oakland Roots and Phoenix Rising. And uh mm -hmm. <laughs> to explain, uh, on Thursday, uh, or maybe earlier in the week, uh, Oakland. Uh, hey, no, wait, let me stop. Phoenix. Right. Let me let me start this over. So just edit this out. Um, so earlier in the week, uh, Phoenix Rising mutually agreed to part ways uh, with Rick Shantz. So Rick Shantz and, and Phoenix, so to say, they mutually parted ways. And so, therefore, that was kind of really big in New Mexico United fandom or supportership because, right. <laughs> because of the fact that, you know, Rick Shantz is like, you know, is like probably like the coach that you're like, oh, man, this guy is coaching this team. Like, they're always going to kind of be, you know, in the blinders. There's, there's You're never going to be able to get rid of how good Phoenix is. And so... Right. All of a sudden, you know, Phoenix has not really been playing well this season. And, you know, we had finally saw the unthinkable. I mean, the club and, and the coach parted ways. So we thought, wow, okay, well, I guess Phoenix is probably not going to have much of a playoff hope. Well, 
not even a day or two goes by, there's some uh, rumors on Twitter that Phoenix had already found their guy. And then we find out that Oakland Roots um, put their head coach on administrative leave, uh, finding out that he was uh, Juan Guerra, that he was in a uh, private talks. <laughs> right. He was in private talks with uh, Phoenix. And, uh, <laughs> you know, while under contract without permission, so to say. And so then you're like, oh, okay, this is the Phoenix we know, right? Like, exactly. Some always something going on in the Valley. A little something shady. Right. Always. Right. Like definitely something going on. And so, so then um, we're like, okay, well, I wonder what's going to happen because I'm sure probably Oakland's going to try to, you know, kibosh this situation from ever happening. Right. And then I, Mm -hmm. And then, of course, that doesn't happen. Um, then we find out that, in fact, Phoenix has now acquired Juan Guerra as their head coach. He was announced, uh, what is it, uh, Tuesday uh, of this week as the official head coach. And even in his uh, media availability that I listened to, it sounds like he's even pr- they're even probably bringing back one other person that maybe they're they're more familiar with uh in their technical staff um to um kind of you know give them more of a fighting chance and um i have to say personally this really felt like a cobra kai move and that uh <laughs> there might be some new life uh out in wild horse wild horse pass i mean you know it all it looked all but lost for them and uh now i honestly think that it's going to be interesting and i'll tell you what like i mean we're sitting in a good spot new mexico united wise um hey you know what i hope this brings back the phoenix that we knew because uh we we would want it to be a fight right we would want it to be competitive and okay so where exactly is phoenix in in the standings right now uh so phoenix rising is sitting currently in 10th uh, place right now. Um, actually, mm-hmm. they're probably even sharing it uh, with Monterey Bay. Um, they're both sitting at 29 points with 24 matches played. Um, though Monterey has just one more win than Phoenix does. So, um, so currently that that's kind of the, what we're looking at on the table. Um, so you really can see that right now, I mean, obviously they're outside of the playoff hunt. Only the top seven teams in the West will go to the playoffs, but they're playing El Paso this week and El Paso sitting in the seventh spot with Ooh, 34 okay. points. And so therefore this is a big three points, or I would call it a six point match um, because it's a head to head match. So Phoenix does have a potential to, turn it around the last handful of matches that we have coming up. They really do. And I mean, honestly, like I said, like I welcome it because I think that, you know, while we want to really bask in the glory of defeating Phoenix seven nil earlier, uh, a little earlier into our season, Mm -hmm. um, the next time around, we need them to kind of come with what they got and they're loaded. So, and so are we, so it should be, we might see them again, so don't uh, don't count your chickens 
<laughs> your ex before the yeah whatever right. however that's, that goes y'all know what we're saying right don't <laughs> don't scramble your chicken eggs i don't know whatever it doesn't matter to me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh anyways we just wanted to kind of just touch on some hot topics here in the with the usl news lately uh it's kind of switched gears a little bit over the weekend veronica uh, college women's soccer kicked off in america and um, this meant that our New Mexico colleges would be firing off their seasons. Well, at least two of them. So New Mexico Lobos and New Mexico State Aggies kicked off their regular seasons. Uh, Eastern New Mexico University and New Mexico Highlands U are, are still playing, uh, or at least New Mexico Highlands is still playing some exhibition matches and Eastern New Mexico starts off their season on the 25th of August. Um, but the Lobos, they hosted a invitational um, that featured Cal State, Bakersfield, uh, UNLV, and uh, number six Rutgers. Now, the Lobos played, were, or the first match was going to be on Thursday. And here's the, the biggest thing mm -hmm. uh, for uh, college women's soccer this year is that uh, the matches are played on Thursdays and Sundays. Uh, and this was said to be uh, that the teams would get a full 48 hours of rest between their game on Thursday before they played Sunday. Uh, this is seen as a better move than the old uh, way it was last season where they were playing Fridays and Sundays because it was only giving the players 40 hours, so it wasn't as much time. That extra eight hours uh, just... I guess is just a, a good upgrade for the, the rest and recovery for the players. Uh, so the Lobos were playing number six Rutgers. Now doing a little bit of read, uh, reading up on, on Rutgers prior to uh, the match, uh, they had gotten to the semifinals of the College Cup. Which we were all kind of watching last season, you mm -hmm. know, especially with the Lobos going and playing BYU in the first round. So we kind of followed the route of each of those brackets and eventually it got right. to number six records. So kind of coming into this match, I don't really think many thought like, oh, hey, the Lobos are going to just put six goals on number six records. I think they thought it was going to be a very tough match and um, both sides were going to give it their best. And obviously if the Lobos could you know, could stop number six Rutgers, that would be a huge statement win. But I think ultimately it was just about playing a formidable opponent and uh, being able to play at the highest level of their ability. And uh, I know you caught some of this game too. So what, what were some of your thoughts about the run of play in that? I mean, I definitely think that they, uh, they had a pretty strong opponent to go up against their first match of the season right they just give it all no matter who they're going up against having said that you know uh, they were defeated for that that first match it's it's a slightly different team though than we're kind of seeing last season you know I'm fairly new to watching women's soccer thanks to you introducing me to that so uh, for the opponent that they were going up against uh, they definitely did an amazing job so really with Rutgers I mean much of the play when watching this this match, it, it was really back and forth. I think uh, possession changed 
uh, oftentimes. Rutgers definitely were trying to knock on the door earlier into the match several times. The Lobos were uh, were able to really just be... Intercept def- a lot of those then. Right, and they were able yeah. to be def- defensively stout at times um, because there were some clear looks uh, from, from Rutgers. Um, they did get on the board. Uh, Rutgers did get on the board about midway through the period. Uh, Allison Lowry... Um, was able to put one past uh, the new goalkeeper, uh, Ali Davis, and essentially um, the Lobos found themselves down 1-0. And, you know, to be honest, um, the Lobos aren't typically down uh, points in matches other than when they're playing opponents that are either nationally ranked or, you know, or that's for the most part. That's usually how it is. Right. Um, the Lobos definitely just kept trying to put the fight on in this match. I mean, the other thing that really kind of uh, kind of transitioned into in this conversation is that uh, this was the first time we were uh, really getting to see Leilani Baker back uh, in the starting lineup. Um, you know, n- not necessarily counting the preseason matches, but she had been uh, she had gone out with an injury last season last season uh-huh. yeah and it taken her out and so they didn't have her and the thing about leilani baker is she she gives the team um a defensive prowess uh she's got a lot of speed really uh, fast speed burst um and she puts herself really in in a place that's dangerous for other teams um i could think back to uh postseason match or a tournament match uh, for the Mountain West where she just kept um, she kept pressing the goalkeeper and eventually she was able to get back there and actually pick off or uh, intercept a pass from the goalkeeper and put it right past and and they were able to win the match so I mean Leilani Baker definitely is kind of a a, a gem for the Lobos so to have mm-hmm have her back in the lineup along with Jaden Edwards and Zaria Akata-Sigwa is huge, right? And so, of course, going into this, we're like, okay, how are the three going to play together and what's that going to look like? And so far, it's looked good. So um, Lobos, like I said, fell 1-0 on that first match, um, but this brought on Cal State Bakersfield on Sunday, another chance for the Lobos to um, ultimately uh, try to find a win, right? And and to, um, if you will, avenge the loss from the other night, which I'm pretty sure no one was too hard pressed about. Right. Uh, so they played Cal State Bakersfield Sunday, and that was like a complete 180 from the other night. Uh, Jaden Edwards uh, goes on the team sheet three times, gets a hat trick um, within the mm-hmm. first, uh, maybe the first half of 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 the match. I remember sending you a message and saying, "Oh, Jaden Edwards has got a hat trick!" But after the at the first half, like this is crazy. <laughs> She's probably going to keep scoring. So, um, and the goals were pretty too. Uh, I hope that UNM does bit of a 
score reel, but if you are following us on Twitter at Seek and Strike NM and you go back and look at some of the tweets from Sunday, uh, we tweet we retweeted each of the goals and there were some bangers. Uh, she definitely put one in like from like 30 yards out, I would say top net. It was just a pretty goal. And then she even, you know, she does her things. You know, she was able to, you know, put a goal in with a sweeping right, right, right-footed kick while she was falling down. I mean, you know, it's just she was in a rhythm. Definitely has like a lot of finesse in her, <laughs> in her movements there on the pitch and everything. So, yeah, entertaining I mean, to watch for sure. Right, and then Leilani <laughs> Baker. Right, go ahead. No, I said they're just they're just like a little dream team within the team, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, you, you, every team's got to have those standout players, and exactly. You know, Leilani Baker was also really looking for a goal that day. I think. I mean, there were several attempts that she definitely were taking, and she finally had found one. Um, and so she got herself on on the team sheet as well uh, for a goal. Um, another couple of players, really, I think about to mention um one would be Sakura Yoshida um and she's a new transfer in from uh, Oklahoma mm-hmm. uh she had uh, featured on the U- uh, U20 US women's national team and so uh i believe i had read something that uh, coach head coach Heather Dyke had been keeping an eye on her for a bit just as she's developed and so they were able to finally I guess connect on this front and so that has been good she has I'd say she has a um, she's got like a very like uh, tough approach she's got good speed uh, good vision on the pitch. Uh, definitely would look good with uh, Jaden Edwards um, and or like Leilani Baker, really like any of those those forwards, uh, as well as Zaria as well. And then the other player I would really put out there to keep an eye on is Mercedes Morris. And Mercedes Morris uh, was basically offering um, – just really good passing. Uh, she assisted two goal, two of the goals um, on Saturday. Or sorry, I'm sorry, not on Saturday, on Sunday. And uh, and so she just, you know, was a standout player. Now, what was interesting is it was four nil um, into much of the second half, and uh, Leilani and Jaden Edwards had come off. Uh, most of the starters really had come off of the game at that point. And it was really just the new the newcomers kind of getting minutes, you know, which is something that is good to see, right? You want to see exactly. your new players getting minutes. Um, and uh, Bakersfield was not dead. <laughs> they <laughs> managed to put two goals in, and then all of a sudden it was like kind of looking like a new game. And and I'll have, I'll be honest, I was wondering like, okay, is you know, are they going to be able to like you know? come back around from that right well like you know is is heather gonna need to have to put like baker or like edwards back out there because they need to Mm -hmm. kind of protect the win right you don't want to be up for nil and all of a sudden the game 
ends out in like a four four draw like that that wouldn't be ideal right so um so i think the thing that i thought and i i told you this too is is probably a good test for the newcomers to defend a four nil lead and even though they let two goals go in um i think it still kind of gave them good game experience about like protecting leads like that and Mm -hmm. knowing that they're probably still going to have to bring some sort of um, energy uh, to kind of match what the starters did uh, just because, you know, sometimes I think I've seen in previous seasons with the Lobos, like there will be a big lead like that. And then all of a sudden the team, the other team finds a resurgence and then, all of a sudden it's like a brand new ball game and or sorry, brand new ball game, a brand new like soccer game. Right. And then essentially, you know, then what's, what do you do? You know, if if your starters are tired and the game is starting over, you know, you got to hope that your, your subs kind of, kind of come in and, and rejuvenate things. So, um, again, like, and you can see sometimes how quickly the tables can turn. Um, we've definitely see it, seen it in a lot of different matches um, where we can be up and then all it takes is one wrong pass or one person that's maybe a little too exhausted on the pitch and then the tables just flip and you don't know how or what. So definitely good experience for them to defend that lead, right? Exactly, exactly. And so, I mean, right now that's... That's what you're looking at. And um, Lobos will be playing Texas Tech um, this... On the 25th. Uh, right, on the 25th. And that will be uh, the next match for them. So uh, definitely uh, follow... If you're following uh, Lobos on Twitter or other other socials, uh, make sure you can grab all the information to catch the games as they're streamed on uh, the Mountain West um, or uh, the other uh, the other schools, I guess in this case the other schools network. Um, so, moving on, let's talk about New Mexico State. Now, I hadn't really got to watch a lot of New Mexico State uh, games uh, last season. Uh, I, I, the only one I really got to catch was the Lobos New Mexico State uh, game, which was kind of bummed. There wasn't a uh, there wasn't a Rival a rivalry match between the two teams this year, unfortunately. Uh, but New Mexico State kicked off their season against Oregon, um, the Oregon Ducks, and that match was actually uh, very interesting too. Uh, Oregon Ducks were fielding kind of a new, new team as well, just like New Mexico State. They lost a lot of standout players. Uh, I would have to uh, definitely shout out Corey Kaiser as one of the standout players that really. Uh, set New Mexico State uh, um, apart from from many, or at least that team, from many other teams. But um, they played Oregon, and there was a lot of uh, just – it was a, also a very physical game. I mean, you can really expect no less from uh, college women's soccer. Um, but what I really would like to say about the run of play of that game was that uh, – uh, New Mexico State, just very defensive. Uh, Landy Williams uh, was one of the defenders for the Aggies, and she was definitely on shutdown row, like easily just back there, like uh, debilitating anything that 
uh, Oregon Ducks tried to like get going for offense. There were so many times that Oregon um, was sitting just within the six yard box or within the 11 yards of the goal and could have really just put a ball in, but it was Landy Williams or any other uh, Aggies player that were there to basically just uh, stop the attempt or uh, stick a foot in there at the last minute. And, uh, and so therefore Oregon, uh, like I said, the first 10 minutes had several attempts uh, for a goal and they, they would eventually find a goal. Um, but then New Mexico state was then looking uh, to try to equalize. Um, they didn't end up being able to do it uh, ultimately. So like Oregon would win this one two nil, but uh, on the other side of things for New Mexico state, they have uh, Sid- Sydney Johnson and uh, they were definitely trying to find her um, on the left channel several times. Um, Oregon was obviously um, doing their homework, and so they were able to just kind of keep any things from any any attempts from really coming out of that side. But uh, Sydney has a a speed to her that definitely had them kind of guessing where she was going to be. Um, I know you didn't get a chance to check out this this match, but um, it was a good one nonetheless. I mean, I know the results like show otherwise, but mm-hmm. New, New Mexico State was like very, they were very like like hyped. It, it was just a very uh, intense match, and I thought that at any moment, because of how many times uh, the ball was being won in the middle third, that it, you know they were going to find the ball to go in to kind of equalize, but it just, you know, Oregon was just a little bit faster at times. Yeah. Unfortunately, the Lobos were playing at, at the same time as the other. And I, I had thought I could catch the match after, but I guess they can't. Uh, once that broadcast is finished, they don't, you're not able to, to do a playback on that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it's I was a little different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was I was fortunate that I was able to watch both kind of at the same time because I mm-hmm. had one on the phone. Yeah, I thought about going back and forth and then I was like, well, <laughs> next time. <laughs> yeah, so uh, moving on. Right. So on Sunday, uh, the uh, New Mexico State went out to Fullerton. They played uh, the Fullerton Titans. And this is your alma mater, right? This is my alma mater. So I, you know, I, for one, if I were, if I were you, I would have gotten out. I know you wanted to, but you were recovering from a cold. Um, this one was a thriller. I will say that. Uh, the result, a 2-2 draw between uh, New Mexico State and Cal State Fullerton. But when I tell you that nothing's short of excitement i mean uh fullerton definitely did get on the board first and new mexico new mexico state definitely found the equalizing goal within minutes after that right and then Mm -hmm. and then fullerton would go up again uh with the 2-1 and it would look like all but everything was was done for the aggies but then they just had a regenerative like second half they found uh, another goal like within like probably the last 15 minutes 
of the match. And it ultimately was like a, it, it was just what you thought would, would kind of happen. I think at one point, even the Aggies were going looking for that third goal too. So mm-hmm. um, I'd have to really shout out uh, Maya Hammock and uh, Sam McNeese uh, for New Mexico state, as far as uh, the goals that they scored, uh, both goals uh, were just amazing. The sequence for uh, the McNeese goal was essentially like a ball played over top, uh, chipped into a defender. It was Chacon was the uh, was the was the uh, defender. She heads it over to Mc, McNeese that like basically puts it right in, like just with another header. Um, but then the my hammock goal was nice because, you know, she was essentially played into the sequence. The buildup of play uh, was just the advancing of the ball on the left side of the pitch. Um, hammock gets a foot on, on a ball that was in the air at the moment, stomps it basically to put it, put on the ground. And then she's played a through ball past her defender, takes it and just puts a nice zinger on it from like just outside the 18 or I'm sorry, just inside the 18, rather, uh, just past the goalkeeper, just just a nice, like, ball from the angle. And, um, yeah, and so that was basically how that game went. I mean, I know that, like, I've simplified it by much because of <laughs> the content we have on this podcast. But I'm just saying, like, if you're not, if you're not tuning in to college women's soccer in New Mexico, what are you doing? You're, you're totally missing out because um... – I mean, it took me a minute to be a believer, and then now I'm just like, these girls can really, like, they're tough, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, like I said, we'll be doing, um, we'll be covering more of uh, New Mexico uh, women's college soccer this season. Uh, We'll develop a show uh, for these teams uh, solely for for that coverage. Um, It will be on the same feed as this show so you'll just be getting a couple of different uh, of different shows um so definitely look out for that and uh so let's go ahead and take a break and then when we get back we'll get into some new mexico united coverage Let's get into some New Mexico United uh, coverage, Veronica. Um, just recently, New Mexico United completed a three-game, uh, I guess, or three three matches that we pretty much were tracking, uh, starting with the LA Galaxy match, then going to the Memphis 9-1 match, and, of course, finally finishing the uh, Monterey Bay uh, match, right? So mm-hmm. those three matches, we were pretty much – uh, locked in on. Of course, we were going to record last week, but we thought, you know what? Here comes a Wednesday-Saturday combo. Let's just wait and get all three and kind of talk about them 
Uh, more from a, I guess, like we're thinking like more of a summary as far as things that we thought were key moments uh, or takeaways from those matches. So uh, uh, brace yourself, but let's just kind of get into that now. Uh, so first off, Los Dos, right? Um, mm-hmm. We were we were drawn at two um, by it all. Um, this was a match that we were leading 2-0. And then LA Galaxy 2 or Los Dos comes back and finds the equalizer. And, and that, what should have been a win, was gone. Um, what what was kind of your, what were some of the key moments in that in that game or even takeaways that you had um, as, as that was developing? I mean, we were definitely playing a much more younger team. It seemed like they came on pretty strong in the first, like, you know, the first couple of minutes of the match. You know, they obviously they scored a first goal within the t- first 24 minutes. And it kind of had the, like this feeling that like Galaxy was kind of just observing and studying our moves. And I think that's why they were able to come back to tie us up. Right. So in that first 24 minutes where Mario Williams gets on the score sheet mm-hmm. and gets his first goal, um, when that had happened, uh, what were you thinking uh, at that time? I was thinking, let's go, because it just um, it was a pretty sweet um, goal. It was awesome that he scored a goal, but like if we think about it, like that goal was like it was by chance, right? Because Chris Weehan, Chris Weehan was coming down the wing, and he was going to pass off to Romario, but I imagine that the window closed, and Chris Weehan still commits to this pass that goes right to the defender. And I'll be honest, I was like, eh, that was not really a good pass. But the fact that Romario Williams was there able to find a second ball, that's where you're saying it's awesome. And it was because he was ultimately able to convert on a ball that was just like kind of pinging around in the box. Um, I, I thought leading up to that point, though, that... Um, United really just there they had some bad spells of possession and I think also like oh they were they just weren't ready for the press that Los Dos was putting on them. And then you you spoke to it like yeah, there was definitely a difference in age. These were like young men that had speed. And the commentary let us know that several times. They were like you know, hey, like these youngsters are running circles around these guys or, right? you know, and, and they, you know, I think other things that were hurting United were that United does like to play pretty football. And I mean, again, commentary was like, oh, pretty football, <laughs> like, isn't going to get, isn't going to get you. Uh, isn't going to get you a goal here, sir. Right. It's not going to get you a goal. And then, you know, but, you know, like, but that's something we see a lot. United definitely you know finesses up the pitch they play that sort of football you know two three four passes sometimes even that fifth pass that no one wants to see but they do it 
And, you know, that's a lot of what leads to the result of not scoring a goal. And so, you know, we were happy to see them up 1-0. But then even shortly after that, uh, Christian Nava, right, ultimately Mm -hmm. kind of initiates what would be the second goal. Well, (laughs) initiates, but um, honestly, the the reason why we ended up getting that goal was because of Owen Lamb, who the ball ricocheted off of him (laughs) and gave us that second goal. Well, and before that, like, we weren't really getting, we weren't really able to get through the middle of the pitch without, like, without the ball changing possession because um, Los Dos was one pressing United two they were kind of only allowing them to get to the wide sides of the pitch in the middle and then three they weren't really allowing United to get um, to the wide portions of the pitch at the final third until it was Nava right Nava who could break through and uh, and and you love to see Nava in this game because clearly Los Dos and Nava were of the same uh, age bracket. Mm-hmm. And therefore it was just like a lot of young men running around on the pitch. Nava gets out wide, um, takes one shot. It comes back to him. He takes the second one. And then again, and he just, just reacts so fast to it. It was, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, of course not credited to him call, called an old, an own goal. But I mean, I'd still give it to him personally. But um, oh yeah, and that's but, what we love to see um, with Nava is that we love to see like that little speed demon, right? Just kind of like comes out of nowhere. Well, and... we remember we took in a a um, midweek presser, and I had asked Nava what other what he uh, was taking away, I believe, from other players. And he says that he was, or that other players were taking from him and that he he just likes to play. And he likes, mm-hmm. he has a, a certain way he likes to play. He likes to get the older guys going, right? They all complimented, say the same thing as well, that they just love playing with him because in a way, because he's young and he's passionate, it kind of pushes them to kind of remember that about themselves. And so what you see is you see Nava just kind of around the 18, around the eight, around the six, I mean, because he, he wants to score and he wants to get the team up. So exactly, they go up 2-0. And it's looking hopeful. Um, prior to this, United was drawing matches, or they had lost two at home, rather. And so it was like, okay, well, maybe this is going to be the first win since back-to-back losses at home. I mean, to be fair to them, they were playing in a different element as well. It was an away match, so they were playing in Southern California heat. That particular day had been pretty, pretty hot, close to 100 degrees. I know not hasn't been as hot out there as it has been out here. We definitely do have more of that dry heat as well. So I'm sure the element kind of did play a little bit of us not being able to get that extra goal. Right. And so second half comes around LA Galaxy or <laughs> I don't know why I love to just call them that, but Los Dos, <laughs> as we should be calling them that. We should um, be calling them Los Dos. Right. Noted. They, they come back and they come back in a way that I felt like I saw coming. Um, 
much through the first half, Losto showed us that they could get into spaces behind United. And uh, and that was very much what had occurred uh, in the second half, too. Uh, Lostos was able to get in behind United and find um, a couple of, of um, I thought, high-skilled shots, if I could say anything. Uh, the first one really being off of, off of a cross coming in from uh, from along the the along the touchline and was essentially just um, Cameron Dunbar coming in for a header, just floating in and just putting it right past um, Ford Parker. And um, you didn't like to see that, obviously, as a United fan because you're like, whoa, like we got this two <laughs> nil lead, we don't need to lose this game. And, right. But, I mean, hey, look, they could only hold on to that lead for so long uh, before um, Gall- before Los Dos, I guess, would find the second goal, right? Um, mm-hmm. And, and, and I, I pretty much had this down. So Johnny Perez uh, basically <laughs> was able to, like, throw his body in the way, um, I think. Mm. And and get that and score for that. for those those. Um, I thought it was nearly going to be three uh, two because they were the ones with momentum at some point. Uh, just like we were saying, um, it you really saw fatigue set in for United. Um, I don't. I think they like into the second half. Like they just yeah. They definitely did slow down a lot more, which is why. A lot of the comments, the commentators were, you know, very quick to pick up on that, that they they felt that Los Dos was running circles around around Youngst- United. Youngsters running, running yes. them ragged. It was running like them exactly the way not they put <laughs> is the way they put it. Youngsters running them ragged. And you know what? Like, to me, that, I just thought that was fully embarrassing i was like man like did we take the right lineup into la because we definitely <clears throat> were lacking in the pace department mm-hmm. and honestly i just you know we talked about it a little bit offline like we thought that there should have been a little bit more pace uh within the 18 that day there just wasn't and so therefore you know, was Zach essentially our head coach Zach Prince? Was he being conservative uh, with Los Dos because he was thinking ahead to Memphis nine oh one, right? Uh, that that would seem to be what you know. You would want to you would want to say that he was kind of just conserving. Um, you know, you can get injured, you can get fatigued, the travel, all those things, um, especially when you're going up against a team like Memphis, right? So well, Memphis 901 was, they were number two in the East, uh, definitely how, are on a run currently. They're trying to get to that first position behind Lou, Louisville City. Um, and so we knew as we're switching over into Memphis 901 at this point, we knew going into that one, that would be a huge win or a statement for United because 
uh, we really haven't looked as well against some of the Eastern Conference teams. Sure, we've gotten some wins, but we've gotten some wins against teams that maybe aren't uh, the, in the, top, uh, in the top, top portion of the table, correct, right? And right. so um, so we really needed to like put something down on the table for this. Um, yeah, I mean, we. I think we knew with uh, going into Memphis that we were definitely going to have a, a more than worthy opponent, right? Um, they've been having a pretty good season, and you know they're just they're just strong all around. Like they, uh, um, you know, I'm sure we'll get more into like their style of play in a second. But um, well, I mean, they really just kind of have a very like young personnel. Uh, I thought when I watched them play, uh, they're really good about just getting in behind spaces. And again, uh, knowing that they had speed up front uh, between Aaron Malloy, uh, who uh, one, had once featured with Ford Madison, as well as Phil Goodrum, who's currently um, in the Golden Boot Race. And then, of course, uh, Luis Fernando, who mm -hmm. um, hadn't had, really hadn't maybe you wouldn't really think with him only scoring one or two goals prior to this match that maybe he was a threat, but yet, I mean, just what he was able to do in assisting uh, Phil Goodrum and, and even Aaron Malloy is like really just enough to, to speak about like it, they're definitely were looking dangerous and any team that's going to come against uh united that is fresh has uh fast legs and uh plays a style of 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 soccer that um you know obviously is going to challenge what zach prince is lining up is is a big deal right so yeah and they, and they definitely know how to synchronize on the pitch um, that was one of the biggest things I, I noticed about Memphis. And, you know, you, you touched on Fernando, like um, that that goal assist that, you know, where he got that goal and it was just passed through him by the side, right? Um, he was running ahead and kind of like caught into place with the ball and then got that goal in. And it's just very um, synchronized, very uh, elegant goal scoring. Well, he just Which knew is... how to. He just knew how to split the difference, and ultimately, I think going into that match, head coach Zach Prince was thinking about uh, who they needed to definitely mark, and they mm -hmm. know that they needed to mark Goodrum because he's a Golden Boot. He's in the Golden Boot race, so he's obviously a dangerous player for them and in this match he definitely was very dangerous he was finding himself in the final third several times i think alice Temba or alex Tambeck is definitely um you know you know couldn't they, jump they, high enough to uh well they just know they they did their homework i mean even before mm -hmm. the second goal that you're you're about to allude to like it it was just a lot of um their forwards just getting in that final third and some of the struggle for united lately has been i think along the back line uh as far as just the time that they take uh to clear the ball i mean some of it is 
they're playing out the back, they're passing between uh, Tambacus to Raiden, or uh, you know, or in this case, it's a Seymour, and they're. I I was honestly like cringing that at times I thought, man, we're gonna lose the ball to someone's feet right off the bat because we've won, we've done that before, just like playing around with it in the back, not realizing that the other the other opponent has got speed, and you know, and then again, like United really this this game was was still in the balance. I mean, they were only down by one goal for most of the game, looking for the equalizer, just couldn't find it. Uh, you know, and ultimately the way you don't want to see any game get iced is when you got the you know the the player who's chasing the golden boot, Phil mm-hmm. Goldrum, get the ball and just simply <clears throat> just chip over the goalkeeper and put the second one in and there there's the game for you right and right. and what was going on uh in the stadium i think a lot of what the supporters echoed is like this was the third straight home loss this was the second straight loss with no goals like what was going on uh with united like we were sitting fourth at the time and we're not necessarily progressing up the table. We're staying in place because the teams that are below us are also losing as well. Like this is a time of the season where like we need to be winning some quality matches, not just sitting in in tandem because teams above us and below us are losing points too. Like, and right now it just seems like, you know, it seemed at that time, like we were just helpless. What was your thought? Yeah, no, that that match was definitely one of the harder harder ones to have watched like um over the over the season, honestly. Um I mean we knew we already knew we were going in for a challenge, right? Um I think a lot of us were trying to remain optimistic that United would be studying Memphis and would be ready for these, you know, counterattacks and um would know where to where to defend on the back and communicate um in order to maybe not end up being on the defensive side and i think that's unfortunately where united ended up was just trying to defend um watching uh goodrum's goal um honestly was heartbreaking on my end right because and i and i'm just it was funny because i was thinking what are what are y'all thinking out in the stadium Right. Um, definitely, uh, you know, the supporter section kept chanting, but you could definitely see that the atmosphere had definitely changed. Um, it I was think... definitely one of the harder matches to watch. Um, it, it just seemed that they couldn't find their footing and they couldn't find their rhythm to to counteract, you know, these advances that were being made by Memphis throughout the entire match. Yeah, I think the thing that I, I really got to throw in here, though, is that uh, heading into this match, so what made this match a little different, right, And is that this was the first match for Kavon Freider, uh on a Wednesday, mm. and, you know, since having been announced being back with the team. And so the lineup was very aggressive. Like, I just want to put that out there as we're kind of, 
getting through this Memphis talk is that this was the number two team coming into New Mexico and Zach Prince went fully aggressive. I mean, it was like the starting lineup was pretty Kavon Freighter up top. We had like Amanda Moreno out there, Devin Sandoval. It, it was a very aggressive lineup. I thought honestly, we, if we got it done, we got it done with that lineup. It was going to happen in the first half. And I said this, I, and, and I said this, and I'm going to own it still. <laughs> like, if we didn't do it with that lineup, I thought we were going to be hosed trying to go to the bench in the second half, trying to find the pieces. And I know everyone was like, hey, we got, we got Bruce, we got, we got Bruce Williams, we got Zira. And I mean, yeah, we always have those players. And yes, they come in and they definitely bring – a different role into the game. But when you start off with like your stellar players, which Zach did, because he made a point to make that a very aggressive starting lineup. Mm -hmm. And we couldn't find a goal in that time as we started to peel back the layers and make the lineup look like it's always looked before. I just knew we were in trouble. And so, um, so that that was the only piece, but it was good to see Freighter get his start and be out there. And I was glad to see that Zach was definitely like, you know, certainly very. Uh, he definitely like surprised all of us with that lineup, and um, right. yeah, so that 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 was good. That was positive, right? We could take that going forward. Mm-hmm. I know when I went to the presser afterwards, he was definitely pretty. Let's say beside himself, just on the mistakes that were made, uh, because you know without those mistakes and obviously with like some, you know, some good decision making that there was a game that was in their hand. I mean, and that's easy to say after the fact, but you know, again, you know, three home losses back to back was just it's like you just wonder when the bleeding is going to stop, right? Mm-hmm. So let's kind of slide into uh this monterey match that just took place um to kind of uh kind of cap this uh three game uh talk that we're having uh so monterey comes in monterey's been on a run we know again they're currently sitting uh in 10th with phoenix and so they were coming in, you know, previous meeting, New Mexico and Monterey draw 1-1 um, out out in the Bay Area. And so New Mexico really needed to um, right the ship, right? They needed to not draw again at home or lose. They needed to get the win. And that that was definitely the, the thing to look at. Um, so... So again, Freighter starts. It was it was definitely a good, um, a, a good kickoff. But let's let's talk. I guess first off about the goals scored. Right, mm-hmm. ultimately United does win this match two 0 as we know. Um, but let's let's just go back and uh, relive the goals. Right. So Chris Weehan uh, scores a beautiful kick off of a free kick. It literally just kind of goes off the underside of the top bar on the goal and then bounces in. Um, but prior to that, for the most part, 
Monterey was definitely uh, doing their part to keep United out of scoring until the free kick happens. Mm-hmm. Um, that goal was beautiful, and it definitely uh, set everything. Um, it definitely like set the stadium off. But uh, what what was your takeaway from that when when Chris was lining up for that? Did you think that was going in, or like what did you think was going to happen? I had totally like good vibes on that one. And I did feel that was going to go in. And of course, like when it went in, it was just like, even on my end, I was like, from my sick bed, I was like, yay. Um, Definitely um, the big perk. And it was funny because when he scored that goal, it solidified for me that we were going to win this match. Um, I had already felt that going in, um, you know, before just, just seeing the standings and stuff like that. Um, I definitely felt that United had a much more um, better chance, I should say, at, you know, winning this particular match. And definitely Chris Weehan, when he scored that, that goal was just like the topping on the, on the ice cream right there, right? Because I think, I think everybody. Go ahead. Everybody just, just lost it at that point. And for me, it was like, it was like, okay, we got this. This this match is ours. Yeah, I mean, the first goal goes in and we're just thinking, this is great because this kind of ended the scoreless, the scoreless summer, <laughs> the last two summer matches we've had, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that definitely was exciting. Um, but going even more beyond that, like another score comes not even too much after that moment. Um, I've since now watched it a couple more times. Uh, Taborataka Preston uh, credited with the second goal. He makes a run down the middle of the pitch at the time. Chris Weehan is kind of off to his left side. Amanda Moreno actually comes down on the on the left side, the goalkeeper plays Amando Moreno thinking he's getting the ball and Tabor Itaka just sends a ball from a bit more up the, the box and finds the back of the net. And then it's quickly two nil New Mexico. Um, again, like the excitement in the stadium was like no other for a minute, you know, because mm-hmm. now the team's up two nil it's looking good. Everyone's happy. They're thinking, okay, like this could get out of hand very fast. And Monterey could find themselves down by several goals at this point in the match. Um, so two goals through Taka Preston gets uh, that second goal. Um, give your reaction, I guess, to uh, that score. I mean, yeah, I, I had definitely thought that we were going to be having one of those, uh, you know, five nil <laughs> matches for some reason. Um, you know, that wasn't the case, but you know, I, it, it was just, I mean, I don't know. It was just, uh, they were playing well that day. They were in sync. They were, um, you know, uh, there, there wasn't honestly much of a challenge for Monterey. I don't believe so, but um in monterey always looking uh somewhat dangerous and of course knowing what our home record is like at home 
Um, and also some of these matches have been turning around on us. I think there was still very much for us to lose. And I think that a lot of us were watching this match uh, definitely with sheer excitement that we were up to now, but also a little bit of uh a little bit of anxiety that you know it wasn't going to be that another, we could lose it yeah or yeah that we would give up another lead again and so um you know when this thing when this thing is over ultimately um you know this has certainly amplified the stadium it has restored uh the passionate <laughs> the passionate fans that are like oh my god we're gonna lose another one at home and uh you know everybody it, stayed for the entire match <laughs> yeah it was it was definitely great in that regard um mm-hmm. you know of course we were sitting in fifth so or we were sitting in fifth i believe at the time i know that sacramento had lost the matches and ultimately right. uh um Co- or colorado springs ultimately were was able to jump back up so we were sitting in fourth again as where where we are currently sitting and so um so it's good right and so now we're we're kind of approaching this point now where it's like okay there's but eight games left uh in the season and some of the next opponents are playoff teams and so yeah and so let's let's really just kind of I mean, I guess, at this point, we we can't afford to lose any right, matches. Like, right. Well, I mean, you don't you don't want to see it happen because you're sitting in fourth place, and the only way uh, to me it's like this: like if you're you're gonna be, we're gonna be playing the number one, two, and three team in our own division, plus the six and seven team. Those are all important matches, and really, like those need to be wins um you really don't want to be playing around with with a bunch of draws because the reality is that teams are gonna move up on you and you're possibly going to be moving down so i'm just again like i just i think we we all want more and i, I think these next games coming up are really the really true true statement games again mm-hmm. like it's we're, we're right back in it um, <clears throat> and so let's transition out of this monterey game you know and let's go into this preview for colorado spring switchbacks uh currently sitting third in the western conference uh, the uh they are uh their season at a glance currently looking at the table uh, they are at uh, 14 wins, three losses, and, or sorry, 14 wins, three draws, and nine losses on the season. They've got 45 points. Uh, New Mexico United sitting in fourth with 42 points. Um, and so this is a very important game for United. Uh, this definitely would essentially uh, get us up into that third position. Mm-hmm. Um uh, not by wins, but I mean it's a it's a head to head with um, with the switchbacks. So uh, we would definitely get us a little bit closer. We'd be sitting level in points, but you know, obviously a little different with the record. Um, 
so let's talk a little bit more about like their their players to watch. Uh, so as far as who to watch, and I'm just gonna go based off of this last match that they played and who they were they were playing. Uh, we know that we need to be watching Haji Berry, right? Like, right. That's that's their main guy, Haji Berry. Um, he is fast beyond fast. Uh, great vision on the pitch. We have definitely seen him in the in the previous times we have played against them. He is just very good about timing his run to break the lines mm-hmm. and put himself in a dangerous spot. United cannot afford to let Haji Berry in within within. I do honestly think that he's going to be well marked. And I think that uh, Colorado Springs will try to slide him in under the middle at times or mm-hmm. through either side. They will try to figure out where they can exploit the back line and try to get him in a good spot. Uh, also on uh, on their squad is uh, Mitchie Angelina. Uh, Mitchie Angelina also uh, being a, a winger, um, very complimentary to Haji Berry, as well as Elvis Amo, uh, who plays typically on the left side. Um, they are a dangerous uh, triad of players. Um, so definitely those are players to watch for Colorado Springs. I would definitely say Cam Lindley is one to keep an eye on in the, uh, in the, in the midfield. Um, uh, and then of course, like in the back line, I think you're, you're also looking at Isaiah Foster as being a player who, um, as of late has kind of emerged as someone who's, is really holding up that back line. Um, so going into this match, Veronica, um, what do you think Zach Prince's strategy might be? going into this like because he he, he's going they have a great record on the road but this is still colorado springs i mean colorado springs is gonna be i think one of our bigger challenges for the season we do great on the road but you know we definitely do have some things to plenty to be on the guard for for this match I like what? What do you think? What do you think we need to be on guard for in this match? Their like capability to just like get into like I don't know like what I saw the bit that I saw of Colorado is that they just have a way to kind of like sneak in through um, through lines and just you know they're they just get the ball just get the ball in places that obviously is is very dangerous to any like sort of defense in, exactly. in that regard right and so like i think uh just to kind of cast a couple things out there i think zach prince's strategy has to be one to uh, disrupt any runs into into the back line will they set the the offside trap yes of course they will they will set it they'll probably be high uh, I 
I wouldn't see them go high up, but I know that at times they do do that. But I think that they're going to have to be very careful about um, being too high up the pitch because Barry could break the line and then it's just him against Alex. And it's just, it's going to be a wrap. <laughs> like it really will right. be. And, uh, and so I think that uh, maybe they don't set that. Maybe they are probably in a back four so that there's a little bit more um, uh, coverage back there on the back line. Uh, just a little additional help. I think they have to really look at a back four for this one uh, more than that back three or even what we see sometimes with just two back there. I think that's, that's something they have to look at. And I think also, um, you know, United will try to have maybe more of a defensive effort through the middle because they're going to need to win the balls uh, to be able to kind of transition to get back on the counter. Um, so I think defensively, those are a couple things that like Zach Prince brings to this game. Um, I'm interested more, I guess, in his choice of personnel. Do I, I think like we need to see Ratty in a game like this? I personally think that because I think that he uh, brings pace to the game. He, uh, you know, very defensive, but also can really be an impact uh, for the attack. And I think that we really need to see Alexi Swai. Um, and I, I'd say Ryden really has to get on this horse for this match. Like there is just absolutely uh, the back line cannot be flat and they cannot make any mistakes because um, Colorado Springs will punish them for that. Um, but I think on the attack, I think that um, the lineup has to be a very aggressive lineup again. I think that we can kind of, for the most part, count on that. But I would love to see uh, Nico, Brett, Kevon Freider, and maybe Romario Williams, or actually t- maybe Preston um, as that third uh, third player up top. Because I think we got to throw speed at, at Colorado Springs. One, two, one, keep up. But two, mm-hmm. also to kind of offer some similar type of threat. Um, I don't think that we'll see that that top three i would like that i know we'll we'll have to still see uh we had a moreno in there at some point uh, maybe they're underneath but i just think, think that, that united needs to come in more on the defensive or offensive for this one um i think they're gonna have to set in for the first 15 20 minutes and fill up this game because really like you know i mean they can watch film but like you don't really know how they're gonna be playing uh, what they're going to be looking for until like after that first 15 to 20 minutes. I feel like mm-hmm. that's what like every, every match is that we see. Um, I just think that they can't come in too heavy on the attack and not have anything for defense because it's just going to be a goal for goal sort of match. So um, yeah, they got to set in for a little bit, set it up and then they have to then uh, change, change strides and, and go for it at that point personally. Um so that's kind of my thought about about strategy. Uh, I think that they, they need to stretch the game out and not get uh, not get squeezed in the middle because we're not good in the middle, personally. Uh, we lose a lot of balls there. I think that we just got to take the game out wide and and try to create chances. Um, so that's that's something I think that as far as speaking to his strategy is concerned. 
So that's kind of a little bit uh, about this match. I will definitely be writing a little bit more um, about Colorado Springs probably in the coming days just to kind of offer a little bit more insight into um, maybe some run of play uh, going off of their last match against Tampa Bay Rowdies. Um, so look for, look out for that. Um, let's, I guess let's just transition here. Let's just kind of wrap this one up. Um, and let's just go ahead and, uh, let's just end with predictions for this weekend. Um, so I'll go ahead and start with you, Veronica. What is your match prediction for the weekend match with Colorado Springs switchbacks? Wow. I mean, I'm definitely, I'm hoping that the, you know, the road warriors come shining through and, and, um, we can win this one. It'd be It'd be definitely one for the books to win Colorado. Um, I'm going to go just on what we've been watching over the last, you know, month or so with United. Um, I'm going to say it'll be like a United one, Colorado two. Okay. So you're going to say that United doesn't win this one. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) Don't don't apologize to me. That's your take. That's you do that. Um, I am going to say, um, and my my decision making is based on the fact that the away record is good, but also thinking about Mm -hmm. thinking about um, just personnel. I think if if we have the right personnel in the eighteen, so we have like the right the right subs. Um, to me, then that that kind of benefits things. Um, Colorado Springs definitely is good. They will be trying to definitely defend home and trying to get that dub. I personally think it's going to be a two-two draw. Um, I don't know that we can steal this one from Colorado Springs. Um, I mean, we we have mm-hmm. played this one match against Monterey, but Monterey and Colorado Springs two different teams, and we just have not gotten up for the occasion against these these teams that are like rightfully winning matches to be where they where they deserve so i hope i'm wrong i hope that that united gets the dub but i think it's right. a two, i mm-hmm. think it's a 2-2 draw so that's, i mean I, I totally hope i'm wrong too obviously we won oh no 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 you you're stuck you're stuck with that <laughs> you're stuck too and neither of us have united winning <laughs> um yeah you just got no points. <laughs> I just got no points. I got at least you got one with you. So <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, but uh, you know, in all in all in all fairness, um, we're you know obviously looking to see this be a solid match. Um, I think, like I said, some questions I have are un- unanswered, but I think in the in the coming days, like you know, just just through looking at other other aspects and then seeing who um, ultimately on match day makes the trip is going to be the biggest, uh, the biggest indicator for me on what we're looking with. So um, we're going to go ahead and uh, wrap this one up. This has been a amazing uh, episode back into podcasting. Uh, You know, we thank you for being with us. This one might've been a little long. We're probably going to, 
figure out obviously ways to chop out some of the content over the time but we hope you enjoyed it uh definitely let us know your uh, favorite parts of the podcast or even uh you know even any additional thoughts you have uh ping us on twitter at seek and strike nm uh, or on instagram also at seek and strike nm as in new mexico and uh for veronica zavala and myself chris walker you've been listening to we are seek and strike the weekly edition and we are out you've been listening to we are seek and strike podcast brought to you by the beautiful game network find more usl related podcasts and written content at bgn.fm to never miss new content consider subscribing wherever you get your podcast if you're listening on apple Podcasts, please rate and review the episode you can find us on facebook instagram twitter and youtube at seek and strike collective lastly we'd like to thank our sponsors roughneck scarves and icarus fc roughneck scarves the official scarf supplier to mls usl and u.s soccer Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com.